0: fading, what a tough shot, and it goes! Look DeRozan up, with plenty up, of time. It's five seconds, DeRozan on the drive, a kick from the corner.
1: Van Vliet, Then Good, a two. The Raptors lead with 1.1 to play. Matthew, how's it going? Mike, I have to apologize to you and to everybody. When you're sick and the weather changes, you lose your voice and that's what happened to me the other day. But I'm glad that, you know, I wanted to do the podcast with Jordan. That would have been a lot of fun. Um, But um, it was a good podcast either way. And, uh, you know, we're doing something a little bit different.
0: Yeah, on Tuesday is the start of our Chris Bosh week. um, The entire week at Raptors Rapture will be going over Chris Bosh's career with the Toronto Raptors. In one week from today, he'll be retired officially He hasn't played in some time now, obviously, due to the blood clot issues that he's dealt with and health problems. And in one week, he'll be officially retired and his jersey will be retired with the Miami Heat. Uh, Whether that ends up getting retired with the Raptors is a whole nother discussion and something we'll be covering not only here, but uh, in article form as well on the site.
1: Yeah. And, you know, for anybody who uh, follows Mike, on twitter he and in our slack group as well he is very very excited about this week so um i'm very happy to be sharing in this discussion with you this evening mike because you're just very excited about the topic and it's a very interesting one to talk about
0: yeah you know i i think chris bosch is kind of the forgotten and we can kind of just talk about big picture things right now and i think bosch is one of the forgotten raptors in many ways because his team was so unsuccessful and he you know, they struggled as a franchise during his tenure. But I I don't think it can be forgotten how good he was for Toronto and how great of a player he was. You know, obviously he'll be remembered more for his time with Miami Heat, but if you just look at production on the court, he was just as productive in Toronto as he was in Miami.
1: Yeah, um, actually, uh, do you mind if I tell a quick story because it's related to Chris Bosh? No, go ahead. So, um, uh, you know, I'm 28 28- years old right so when uh, so when Bosch uh, was drafted in two, 2003 that was really when my like conscience for basketball really r- really came into being like obviously I was very enamored with the Vince Carter years and and all that sort of stuff but I don't really remember it fully um, but you know I actually met Chris Bosch before he was um, uh, in the in the NBA but was a member of the Toronto Raptors so what's kind of cool is that um, and I believe his first year in the NBA was the Kevin O'Neill year, the Kevin O'Neill coaching year. And uh, they actually had their preseason uh, in Waterloo, Ontario, where, 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 where I live. And uh, I won a contest to be one of like, you know, 15, 20 kids who got to, who got to uh, watch a Raptors scrimmage and, um, and uh, got to do some like drills with the, with, with the team at the time. And I actually got a picture of me sitting with Chris Bosh before he was ever in the NBA. And he was a super cool dude and and super nice. But that was actually one of my very first, like – conscience, like basketball experiences at like 10, 11 years old, where I actually got to meet Chris Bosh, but I had no idea how good he was going to be or how cool it would be. So I still have that picture. Unfortunately, it got a little crumpled at the bottom of a box, but um, it was still super cool to to be able to meet him before he was ever anything. And he, you know, before he was jacked, before he had the crazy, uh, that uh, that haircut that was kind of bad, all that sort of stuff. He was just, he had a simple DeRozan, early DeRozan-like haircut, and it was just a super cool thing to, to experience.
0: Yeah, he was... He's always someone who's come across as a uh, very intelligent, very nice guy, seemingly. And obviously, we don't know these people for real and you don't know what they're like, but just by all accounts of what you can see right now, very nice guy. And um, really, you know, deeper than just basketball, he really thinks about things in an abstract way. And you can tell whenever you hear him interviewed that he's just a very intelligent guy. And I, it's really a shame what happened to him in his career because yeah he was on the back half of his career but he was still had plenty of in the tank when he was forced to retire
1: yeah that i think you know it's it, it's interesting that it's uh cropping up who was the guy that just had that had that in his arm that was developed yeah brandon ingram yeah, yeah yeah it's it's interesting that that's that that's popping up all of a sudden or it's popped up twice in a, in, in a few years here and you know I, I feel really bad for him, too, because because, you know, season ending things happen all the time. And if you're someone like Paul George, you know, you can recover from that. But when something becomes very life threatening um and that way and you're forced to retire, even though you don't want to. And I mean, he tried even right like 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 there were many reports that he was working out, that he was trying to prove that, you know, the blood clots were OK. And you have to really respect that. But at the same time, you know, really respect the decision to finally be like, you know what, my family's more important. Um, you know, I have I had a great career. I was able to win two championships and um, but yeah, but yeah, I'm really glad that, you know, he he made the right decision obviously because no one no one should die for any for anything basketball related or not. So, but it it is really unfortunate what happened to him because that's just a freaky thing that, keep, that that apparently keeps on recurring for him.
0: Right. And and I don't want to get too far ahead. I guess I'll start. Yeah. Let's start <laughs> with the beginning of his career before we Fast forward to the back. So Bosch is drafted in the two thousand and three NBA draft, which is at the time I mean, it's because I would it say it might it's, be the
1: best it might be the best draft class ever, right? Yeah, I don't
0: think we can say undisputably it is. At least at the top, I'm not sure you ever had a draft class with you know, you can have five Hall of Famers within four or I'm sorry, four Hall of Famers in the first five picks which is absolutely crazy to think about, and the Raptors take Bosh number four. It goes LeBron James, Darko Milicic, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Bosh. Dwayne Wade goes five. What? How does the Raptors' whole identity change, and how do the Raptors change if Dwayne Wade is picked at that four spot instead of Bosh? Now, I want, I want to be clear. By all accounts, the decision wasn't between Bosh and Wade. The decision was actually between Kamen and Bosh, So clearly the Raptors made the right decision there. Yeah. Uh, I I think that's pretty safe to say. Um, But what happens if Dwayne Wade gets picked?
1: Gosh. um, I mean, I mean, I mean, I can see why they didn't at the time. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not sure why they didn't. Sorry. Maybe I should say, but I would say that the, the complete identity of the team would have changed. Right. Like, like Dwayne Wade especially early in his career and that I mean and obviously three years later the 2006 season he was he was determined right and he came in just that you know that forward that or that small guard shooting guard sorry that could really take over a game and dominate a game and and I think perhaps like he only slipped to five because people maybe thought he was too small um at the time or uh, but clearly his speed took up for that but for me I think that the identity of the team would have been completely different, and I mean, in all fairness, Dwayne Wade is a piece that would have been better to build around. Um, but at the time, too, especially in 2003, I think the game was changing so much that um, that you know teams teams that at the time had poor management, right? It's, it's weird to say now because the Raptors have really great front office management, but at the time, really did not have good front office management. Um, they really did not see the the game evolving as it was at the time with the antonians and Steve Nash and all those guys, and then LeBron, of course too. So they thought that you know big men and playing through big men still still worked um, and, and and it was clear that you know Bosch was more of that supporting star kind of in the same way Kyle Lowry is to to Kawhi Leonard in many ways. that second that second tier star who could still dominate at times but perhaps wasn't the piece to actually build around. So it would have been very interesting. I still feel like it wouldn't have worked and that Dwayne Wade would have made a similar decision to Chris Bosh because the Raptors just did not have the management quality to be able to put together a winning team at the time.
0: And it's funny to think about now because the way the game has evolved and how it's changed, but at the time the Raptors had Vince Carter and they thought that those two players played the same position, Vince Carter and Dwayne Wade, and, you know, who knows if how they mesh together, and the Raptors needed a big man. Now, in today's NBA, of course, we know that the goal is to get as many talented wings as possible, and it doesn't matter where they're at. We can find a spot to slide time. They thought getting Chris Bosch or Chris Kamen as a big man to kind of complement Vince Carter would be really beneficial to them. Obviously, that turned out to not be the case as uh, Vince Carter was shortly gone after that. But it's funny that just in a matter of 15 years, how thinking has completely changed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought, I, I, you know, I find that interesting too. I mean, I mean, even if you were a team that had say, uh, you know, uh, a Kawhi Leonard or a, uh, or a LeBron James, you know, for a lot, for a long-term long-term like the Raptors thought they had Vince Carter for at the time, would you still draft a versatile big man, like big man, like Bosch? Like obviously Bosch was not the shooter that, even someone like a Marcus Gasol is. Um, but would you draft someone like that if you knew you had that complimentary wing piece still? Like today I'm talking about. Yeah, no,
0: I mean, I'm of the mindset and Chris Bosh's game, and I, again, I don't want to step on future things that we talk about. His game translates really well to today's NBA when you talk about a guy who could defend the rim, shoot the three ball, spread the court, and – yeah, he didn't shoot a lot of threes during his time. I think that was more the error than anything else. If Chris Bosh was in today's NBA, I think he would be launching more three-point attempts than he ever did when he played. Um, yeah. I, I think his game is really well-suited for the modern NBA, and we can talk about that a little bit later. But knowing everything you know now, you have to take Dwayne Wade because as great as Chris Bosh was, he wasn't Dwayne Wade good.
1: Right, and I guess, and I guess even if you did have – even uh, I'm trying to think of a modern uh, someone who was just drafted in the last two. Like, like even if you had someone like a Giannis or something like that, you would still draft Wayne Wade because I guess you know big men, versatile big men, while hard to find, are not the biggest pieces anymore. And even someone, even someone lesser so, can hold their own in a modern NBA situation. So yeah, I guess I, I guess that's true. I guess you you know where do you think a Chris Bosh would go today, it, like in a draft?
0: Well, I mean, it just depends. He was, if if we know everything we know about him, and obviously you didn't know that at the draft, but if he goes in today's draft, I think it's reasonable he goes in the top five. You talk about DeAndre Ayton, who is, by all accounts, probably more of a physical specimen than Bosch was, but at the same time wasn't as modern of a player as Chris Bosch, and the fact that he wasn't near the defender Chris Bosch was in college. And I, I have serious doubts whether he'll ever develop into the player that Chris Bosh was as a defender because as we know he was very good particularly when he was in Miami playing alongside Bosh or playing against or playing alongside Wade and LeBron so I'm not sure I think that he still probably goes much higher but considering how much center has been devalued it's funny to think about I also think that he clearly comes out as a power for or as a center now rather than a power forward
1: oh 100 percent do you think that Bosch even in his defensive prime could keep up with the big centers of today like Joel Embiid or or or, or I because I, I certainly do think that he could. He might he might try to bulk up his, you know, upper body strength a little bit more than he did back in the day because he was a little bit more of a lean player. But um I certainly think that he could defend with the best of them even in today's NBA. Sure, because
0: I, I think he's bigger than when you talk about like Carl Anthony Towns and I mean I know Towns is not a good defender, but like Clint Capella doesn't strike me as much bigger than Chris Bosh was, a little bit, perhaps, but you can get him in a weight room, and if he's playing center instead of power forward, your whole strength regimen is different and more focused on gaining bulk, particularly in the upper body, which he never did while he played.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, um, and, yeah, I just find, I just find that interesting, you know, even watching, uh, you, even as we're watching the Raptors and the Knicks here, that, like, You know, Bosch would really fit in, especially, like you said, with the three-point shooting. He was really one of the, you know, one of the premier big guys, someone like an Amari Stoudemire at the time, who was shooting threes for a big, you know, for a bigger four.
0: Right, exactly, yeah. He was, and it's also funny as we talk about Bosch's career, what it would have been in the modern NBA if it would have just been under a different coach. And I I don't think that the Raptors coaches did anything differently than most would have. Most coaches at that time would have played Bosch at the power forward. But if you think about if he was under someone like Tony, what he could have been in a, like a modern seven seconds or less. And yeah, a lot of players would have been better if they played for the Suns. But it is interesting to think about if he was with a different coach who kind of valued more modern principles at the time, what he could have been.
1: The Raptors had the worst coaches at that time too. <laughs> I mean, Kevin O'Neal... What a disaster! I'm trying to think of who who was after Kevin O'Neal. I, I to be honest with you, I can't even remember. I know he was there for one of the um, uh, Jay Onright years too, I believe. I'm not I'm not am not actually 100% sure who it, Oh oh Sam Mitchell. The Sam the Sam the, he was there for a lot of the Sam Mitchell years, and those were all. I mean Sam Mitchell was an okay coach. I think he actually did quite a bit with with a little. I mean he started Jamario Moon half the time.
0: Yeah, O six, oh seven coach of the year, Sam Mitchell. So
1: Yeah.
0: Um let's go into kind of what brought the Raptors down during their time with Bosch and A lot of it had to do with the draft and you know, not handling that well. Obviously we know about Vince Carter forcing his way out. That happened very early into Chris Bosch's career. Um but mostly what kind of brought him down in my mind is the lack of drafting As a franchise during that time and it's funny now because we have Masai Ujiri and how well he's done in the later parts of the draft that you just look at who they drafted in 2004 it was Rafael Arroyo, uh 2005 was Charlie Villanueva and Joey Graham, 2006 of course was Andrew Bagnani, they didn't have their 07 pick and they drafted Roy Hibbert in 2008 but then traded that away. So and then 2009 eventually was DeMar DeRozan which obviously was a hit. So when you look at that, and Barniani is the one that sticks out to most people, but Villanueva at 7, jo- Joey Graham at 16, Orejo at 8. It, like, that's a tough run, and that really was the downfall of the Chris Bosh era in Toronto.
1: Yeah, it was... It, it, I always found the strategy really weird, because not that there's anything wrong with European players, but it almost seemed like they... they they were just choosing european players right like like they weren't they, they weren't interested in in american players or north american players they really wanted to build this europe north sort of approach i don't know if they felt that that would help them in trying to keep players but i mean even still the the you know like we've seen with golden state right golden state had three hits in a row in terms of drafting right they they drafted all three of curry green and uh clay thompson right that is uh, that is how you take a program from nowhere which the golden state warriors used to be to somewhere and and i think that um you know obviously obviously no team is perfect nobody is perfect in drafting i mean we drafted bruno um our sorry masai ujiri drafted bruno but um yeah, I mean it is it is really tough to imagine a situation where you, you, I mean, I mean, I mean they drafted Andrea Bargnani, right, <laughs> right, like with the number one overall pick, and I don't know, I'm not sure why they did that, especially you know, I think I think I think the number two pick would have actually been a really interesting choice to play alongside. Um, uh, yeah, you know, Aldridge Bosch would have been an, yeah, would have been a, a great
0: combo. Would have been two seven footers who at least. Fit. Spaced the floor out to the mid range level and perhaps not as well as Bargnani, but they at least had the spacing to make it work. And defensively, those two would have been obviously an upgrade over Bargnani, who couldn't rebound really. I mean, he averaged 4.6 rebounds per game during his career and even during his peak couldn't rebound the ball.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, Andrea Bargnani, it, it it's interesting too because they were real, the Raptors in many ways were thinking ahead in that case that they valued a seven foot a seven footer who could shoot the three but i think barniani's you know drive and heart were never really were never really in it um the way it should be and perhaps again the pressure of being a number one overall pick um kind of affect kind kind of affected him a little bit but again right like if you're bosh and you're wit and you're going to all-star games and you're and you're really playing really well but the franchise is not giving you much in advance right like I mean when you're playing alongside people like TJ Ford um, who was fine at the time but still right um, it's it, it's hard to get encouraged to want to stay with that team
0: sure yeah and it's it's not just Barnani. it's one thing you know every franchise like you said misses and even you can even miss at the top of the draft with Bruno Caboclo but you have to make other moves then to make up for it, because everybody misses, but you can't miss that often. And when you saw Bargnani get drafted, and then you see Villanueva the year before, and I know Villanueva had a decent season for Toronto, but Joey Graham also being drafted, and these things just start to snowball into eventually you get into a situation where you can't make it all back. And that's where they found themselves at at one point, and you kind of knew that Bosch was gone. It... It's almost as if the franchise, you know, in today's NBA, I wonder if they kind of trade him ahead of time, knowing that he probably was gone and perhaps Bosh, if this is the modern NBA, forces his way out. But looking back, by the time he was gone, it was already too late. And really Toronto made their bed earlier in the franchise when they had all those drafting errors.
1: I find it, I see what I find very interesting is that you know, all the teams, all, all the, sorry, all the teams, all the names that we're talking about, um, in and around, in and around this time when Bosch was probably invested with the team, probably 2006 through 2008-ish, um, uh, you know, we're talking about Barnani and Joey Graham and, and Jamario Moon and, 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 and Barnani, obviously, all these guys that, um, you know, once they left the Raptors, like, like, like they're very well known in Raptor, in Raptor circles and Raptor hardcore fans. But once they left the Raptors through trade or through signing with other teams, did you really ever hear their names ever again? Not really. And I think that's indicative of the quality of players that the Raptors were, or the quality of players that uh, Chris Bosh was playing with at that time.
0: Yeah. Um, and that kind of transitions to our next point, And I wanted to talk about what's the 06 07 Raptors. Um, okay. That team loses in the first round of the playoffs, they have a three seed, kind of just an improbable three seed. When you look at this roster, it was really, really bad. And the second, I mean, talk about a player ahead of his time, Anthony Parker, but when he's second on your team in minutes played, that's probably not a good thing. So we have Bosh, Anthony Parker, TJ Ford, Jorge Garbajosa, Juan Dixon, and Andrea Bargnani, a rookie Andrea Bargnani are the six top players and minutes played per game for that team and that just shows you where the team was at and you know how they really struggled to find a presence besides Chris Bosh you can't be relying on Anthony Parker and Juan Dixon that much
1: no and it, it, it's too bad too because I you know Anthony Parker is a is a player who I don't think gets enough credit for you know what he was doing at the time because I actually thought that he was a decent defender and a uh and, uh, and a really good shooter, obviously, his sister is a legend, right? If not, like, I mean, would you consider her the best female player ever? Or She's got to be one of the best, right?
0: Yeah, probably. I mean, it's her, Cheryl Miller, and then there's, you know, there's probably a couple other names that uh, are before my time that other people are probably yelling about. But, <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, probably a couple others before my time that would unfortunately they didn't have a professional women's league at the time, so yeah. you aren't able to really kind of remember them in the same way. But at least... Certainly, in the era that I grew up, she's the first name that comes to my mind when I think of you know all time great women's players.
1: Yeah, because you know it's funny because I think that Anthony Parker on a on a better team. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I also think Anthony Parker um, played with the Cavaliers when uh, LeBron was on the Cavaliers, right? Like, yeah, I yeah, he did. He, yeah. Um, yeah,
0: he Anthony Parker was a very solid piece and very should be valued in that way. The problem is when you have to use him in the role that he was being used you know Anthony Parker is your fifth starter is a really good player because he's a pretty good defender he's a good shooter and he spaces the floor um he's more valuable in today's game than he was during the time that he played but you know Anthony Parker was a good player he just shouldn't be I mean arguably he's probably the team's second best player so yeah. that's where you really run into your problems I mean no disrespect to T.J. Ford who is a fine player himself but again I mean when we're talking about the roles they're in and perhaps DJ Ford's better if he never gets hurt and we don't know, but those guys had clear limitations on them. And Chris Bosch is really the only player that I looked at on that team. And I thought, wow, he's a difference maker.
1: Yeah. 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 I think so too. Um, I, I, Actually another interesting player talking about modern NBA was Jorge Garbajosa, right? Because he was another, you know, three, like like jacking three sort of big man and center center position player too who also had a gruesome uh uh you know career ending injury as well with the Toronto Raptors I believe it was the next season the, the 2007 2008 season where that happened but um yeah and I mean and I mean the bench wasn't very strong either you had Rashon Asterovich coming off the bench as your backup center for and Mo, Mo Pete. Mo <laughs> Pete, another
0: player. You know, as we joke about this 6 07 team, and I've made plenty of jokes, and like this is my go-to season where I point and talk about how good Chris Bosh was for the Raptors, because yeah. that was the three seed. Again, when you're talking not a very talented roster, but they were. I will give them a little bit ahead of their time. They have Chris Bosh as the center a lot of the time, spacing the floor. Andrea Bargnani also space the floor as a seven-footer. A lot of three-point shooting wings like this team was a little bit ahead of their time granted they just weren't very talented they were like a version that was ahead of their time but they didn't have the necessary pieces and parts to be actually talented
1: (laughs) yeah so i mean i I mean it's interesting what did you think of sam mitchell as a coach
0: he was fine i I, yeah i don't think he was some kind of huge negative and a lot of a lot of times, I think that it's easy just to kind of blame him, but I don't think he was a good coach by any means, and I think he really kind of lacked a couple key areas that this team fell off because of it.
1: I find it interesting that a lot of the time, the, the Toronto Raptors look from within, too. Like, like Jay Triano became the head coach after Sam Mitchell, just like how Nurse became the head coach after Dwayne Casey. Do you think the do you think that maybe perhaps the next step if like, like let's say things go really badly this year for the Toronto Raptors and nurses leash is a lot shorter that like, 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 do you think they have a problem like getting really high profile coaches to come coach in Toronto still?
0: No, I I think that's mostly made up. You know, I, yeah. I think that's something you probably worry with more with the players due to their age and the fact that they're all kind of younger guys, Toronto, When you're younger, perhaps it's not as cool to go across the Canadian border and all that stuff. And, you know, when you're an older guy, you just want to have, and this is stereotyping, but just in general, older guys are more ready to settle down and kind of just live their lives. And those coaches are, I think, more apt to move to a nice city, even if they have to deal with a little bit of extra baggage. Although I will say it. Dealing, having your family have to move across to Canada or how you handle that is probably an added kind of difficulty or strain that I don't think a lot of guys probably want to deal with. So now maybe the more that I think about it, perhaps, but I I don't think so.
1: I find it. uh, Do you think that Sam Mitchell deserved that coach of the year? Because I find a lot of the times that, you know, unless, unless there's a historic season like the Steve Kerr, Warriors that a lot of the time the the you know coach of the year goes to an unexpected uh, uh, a coach or a coach who did a lot with you know a lot with very little and in many ways you could argue that Sam Mitchell did quite a bit with 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 a little being the three seed in in the Eastern Conference which at that time was very bad but still
0: yeah I, it's something that you know I I've read about a little bit how the coach of the year basically goes to the coach who outperforms their Vegas when on un, over under by the most so. I don't know if that's necessarily the best coaching job, the fact that we all predicted you wrong at the beginning of the season. And it it feels like he got the award justly based on how it's been given out in the past, but perhaps we need to rethink the entire way of how we give out the award and actually give it to who we think is the best coach rather than the coach who outperformed their over-under total by the most.
1: You know, I could see that argument, though, because or else it would go to the same, like, five coaches all the time. Right? Sure, but, like, but I,
0: I I think if the award is to uh, award the best coach, then why isn't Greg Popovich winning it five times? You know, right. we do this weird thing where we're like, oh, well, I know Popovich is a better coach than Dwayne Casey, but Dwayne Casey wins coach of the year, right? I think right. that's kind of a weird and backwards way to look at it, and I'm not saying, you know, perhaps I'm wrong, and we shouldn't look at it that way, and we should look at it as the coach that overperforms expectations. But I think that if the goal of the award is to give it to the best coach, then we fail in many respects as we kind of just give it to who we think outperforms our expectations.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, I mean, sorry, we got off topic there to reminiscing about coach of the year, but I mean, sorry, we often do that, don't we? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Chris, I mean, I mean, Chris Bosch was clearly the uh, best player on this, on this team by a country mile and i mean it i mean it really showed with a, w- within his his numbers right i mean he he averaged he averaged fantastic numbers all throughout his career as a raptor but i mean in 0607 he was averaging he pl- i mean he played 69 games started all 67 of them played 38 averaged 38 minutes a game which was which is crazy uh, you know he, he averaged twenty two and twenty two point six points and and I mean and how many rebounds? I don't ten point
0: seven. So he was averaging a yeah. double double. He's yeah. one of uh, three Raptors to ever do it. He's done it three times. Uh, the other two and gosh, it's it's not a very inviting list. It's Danielle Marshall and uh, shoot, I don't have the other one right now, but it's not a great list of people who have averaged a double double. But Chris Bosh <laughs> did it three times with the Raptors. And you know, he was really impressive throughout his entire Raptor career. Um the last season being oh nine, oh ten, that's when Bosch was leaving. And the Raptors finished forty and forty two. Um it was a rough season. I at what point did you know that Chris Bosch was gone, Matt, or did you hold out until the very bitter end?
1: Oh man. I I, I feel like I feel like if it was now I would have seen it coming. At the time, I, I I held out to the to till the very end. Um, you know, you you know, like I was saying before, right? Like I had such a connection with with Chris Bosh because it was really when I, you know, you, you know, while I loved the Vince Carter years, I was a little young for the Vince Carter years, so I got really attached to the team and these players. And you know, to see him go to the um the, to the Miami Heat was probably more of a shock than it would have been today because I because I completely understood it so i feel like i was just a little young or a little early in my basketball fandom to actually understand that uh that is why he left right and and i think and i think it maybe stung a little bit more than it was because of because of the whole decision and not one not two not three not four you know like like it felt like like, like i really bought into that narrative that he just like you know quit on the team or whatever but I, I, not anymore i really think that you, you know if i was chris bosh i would have made the same decision too
0: Here's the thing that really bothers me about Bosch, and and they mention him leaving, and sometimes it's brought up, and they talk about him leaving and Vince Carter leaving, and to me, they're not comparable subjects. Vince Carter basically quit on his team, gave no effort during the entire season as he demanded to be traded. Chris Bosch played extremely hard throughout every single contract, and then when his time was up, he left to go be a free agent. I it's really a disservice to Chris Bosh and you know, I I'm not upset at Vince Carter for leaving anymore. And I understand what he did, but you talk about two people handling it completely different ways. Chris Bosh handled everything the right way. He played his time and then he left when he uh, was able to. Meanwhile, Vince Carter sat out and demanded a con or demanded a trade. I To me, those are totally different situations and circumstances.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I completely agree with you too. Like, Vince, while well, I'm not mad at Vince Carter anymore, and I have said on this podcast before that I would love to love to see him come back at some point if they if he plays one more year, it would be really cool to have him on the end of the bench. But um, I mean, I mean, Chris Bosch, you're you're right. He, he 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 was he was a Raptor till the end. Right. And and he got a call from he got a call from the best player on the planet at the time and and, and a champion. And they said, hey, you want to team up? And of course they were going to say that. Of course he was going to say yes. Right. He was on a franchise going nowhere. And um, I think I think I think that really also signaled to the Raptors organization as a whole that, hey, we need some leadership in here who's actually going to do something right and is going to to push to win and winning needs to be number one. And I think it's I think it's really shown what what you, what is possible with a good team. Right, like the Raptors, the Raptors through through the Kyle Lowry era, really, is what it is. Have shown what what can happen, how quickly the teams, you know, interest in the team can grow. But that starts at the management level, just how it starts in a business at the management level, right? You have to be able to put it together that way, or else you're never going to see it. So for me, Bosh, you know, no hard feelings at all, man. I understand what you did, and you won two championships out of it too. So,
0: absolutely, it's. It's one thing that's kind of been my sticking point with Bosch throughout the years is people blame him for leaving. And to me, he did absolutely nothing wrong And everything he handled. He handled it like a professional. Can't blame a player for wanting to leave. And obviously, the success of the franchise or lack thereof it had as much to do with Chris Bosch's leaving as wanting to play in Toronto. And that's for sure.
1: Yeah. And I mean, he gave the team a chance. Right. Like he, he he resigned. He stayed here until it until it didn't make sense anymore. Right. And I mean, you're ba- I, mean, I mean, really, at the at the end of your second contract, you're probably at the height of your talent and skill, unless you're Kyle Lowry. Right. Um, <laughs> who who only became better later on in life. But like, I mean, most players. Right. That's when that that that's when they're at the height of their of their talent and ability. So, I mean, Bosch made the right decision. He gave Toronto more than a more, more than its fair shake and chance. And it just didn't work out. And and, I, and that's okay because I think that the franchise has learned for the better, right?
0: So let me run you through this hypothetical. What happens if Bosch never leaves? The Raptors had already drafted DeMar DeRozan. I, I think it's fair to say if Bosch doesn't leave, then Ujiri probably never signs with Toronto. So they don't have that success late in the draft, but they already have DeRozan. They already have Bosch. Is the franchise right now in a better place than it was, than it would be otherwise, or what happens to the franchise? It's
1: funny. I, it's funny. I was actually going to say the same exact thing about uh, Masai when, <laughs> when you, when you said he probably never signs, you know what? I don't think, I don't think the franchise is not is as in good of a spot. Um, and I think it's mostly again, to do with the leadership of the team, right? Like, like even even when MLSE started owning the Toronto Raptors which I think was in and around the Chris Bosch time it could be, could have been a little bit earlier you know at the time at the time it was viewed as a second as a secondary team to the Maple Leafs in many ways right and 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 kind of like uh the Washington Wizards for example uh you know we'll just let it coast along and do its thing it's a good thing for the city right but you jury has proven that you know he's taken on the challenge of turning a uh you know a team that didn't even have a desirable brand at the time right and and i mean when i think of the raptors now i even i think of their their great brands with the colors and font and logo and all that sort of stuff right and how much more sleek and cool it is and and how different it is it has and, and i feel like you know the logo has more meaning i know some people might not like that some people like the classic logo but for me i feel like the the newer logo has more meaning. So I don't think the the franchise would be in as good of a spot. I don't think DeRozan would have developed as much um as he did. And really DeRozan became the poster boy for pro Toronto, right? And pro and broke that mold of players not being pro Toronto. And no one really spoke to, to Toronto lay like, spoke to Toronto like DeRozan did. So I think um I think that, you know, you know, while Bosch leaving was unfortunate, I don't think again the franchise would have been as good of a spot DeRozan definitely would have never become as good as he was.
0: Right, it's this yeah, it's this butterfly effect that obviously we have no way of ever knowing how it unfolds maybe DeRozan and Bosch are one of the top combos in the league and certainly the Miami Heat don't exist in the same fashion if Chris Bosch never goes there now. LeBron, James and Dwayne Wade probably make a pretty good combo and could find themselves perhaps three role players that equal out to a Chris Bosch but you're right. It's to me, no Chris Bosh, or with Chris Bosh, it means no Masai Ujiri, and Masai Ujiri has given this franchise just a stable core and something that you know, year in year out, you're going to make the right decision, and that's something that can't be overvalued, and in many ways is more valuable than any player you can have except for maybe prime LeBron James.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, this was a guy that turned Andrea Bargnani into into what like like a, a bunch of a bunch of pieces some that are still on the team right like i mean he's do, do, do you know off the top of your head i can't, I can't remember everything uh, but. it's
0: it's a pick and i can look it up real quick
1: yeah 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 because that pick turned into like 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 somebody good and, and 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 i mean he turned i mean he turned on like 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 nothing into something i mean he's even done that several times this year right um, turning nothing into something, and he he he, I, he he's one of the only people too who has said, you know, Toronto, stop feeling inferior, right? Like I still love what he said in the, uh, Kawhi Leonard uh, introductory press conference, right? Like, be proud of who you are, because you know you have a really good team. We've had a good team for six years now. Like this is uh, uh, this is great, right? And and I think again, right? Like he is the most valuable piece, even though. Even though he did learn how to be a GM and his first front office role was during that Chris Bosch era, but he also, again, probably saw the mistakes that were going on and said, once I get to that level, I'm going to learn from them.
0: That's exactly right. And, you know, his impact on the franchise in many ways is going to be longer lasting than this. Maybe he has other things in store. I don't know if. Masai Ujiri has bigger plans, but being the president of the Raptors right now, we know as long as Masai Ujiri is in place, you're at least going to be a stable franchise. And things don't always work out for the, for the uh, most stable franchise. Obviously, even the most well-run organizations have their kind of downfalls. And I'm not saying that the Raptors are above that, but you at least know that you have a baseline of professionalism and a baseline of competence that you weren't always sure that you had before that.
1: MLSE, pay the man whatever he wants. Keep him around. I know eventually the, the NBA front offices will come calling. But um but you know for now especially I think you're right like and I think you know I think you know I think Masai Ujiri wants to prove that he can get a team to the finals. I think the team I think the moves this year especially obviously have have proven that. So um so yeah, so yeah. I mean I mean really I think Chris Bosh. I think you know I really view Chris Bosh as a almost transitionary period which is unfortunate because of how good of a player he was but he brought the team from purple to red to from 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 you know from said, carter to
0: de really so he yeah he yeah bookend both of those guys's careers he ends with vince or he begins his career with carter and ends it with DeRozan, which really right. you know speaks to the time that he spanned
1: yeah yeah and and I mean, I mean, you know, a lot of players during that time too, right? Like that's really a big transitionary period for the game as well. So, um so, but I still do think that, um you know, it's interesting thinking if, if Chris Bosh was playing today, you see Dwayne Wade hanging it up and LeBron still, still going insanely strong. I, uh, you know, obviously I don't think Bosh would be as dominant as someone like LeBron could still be, but. Um, I definitely think that he'd probably be a little bit more dominant than Wade right now, barring of course any crazy injuries. Because he was a very good player, and he and I imagine that you know he would be jacking more threes now and 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 still be and still be a really great rebounder and and and, and very smart defender.
0: Yeah, you know he's six foot ten and can shoot the ball. That that ages pretty well in many respects. Mm-hmm. He, when he was when he retired uh, with Miami that last season, and that's now. Uh, Four year or three years ago, I'm sorry, he was averaging nineteen and seven point four. And obviously you never know if he has another type of injury which derails his career, but in many respects, Chris Bosch was playing, you know, some of his best basketball in those later years of his career when he was with Miami. Um, as we just kind of wrap up here, where does Chris Bosch rank for you as an all time Raptor? And do you think that his jersey ultimately gets retired?
1: It's a million dollar question, isn't it? Um, (laughs) it's it's hard for me because um, I feel like I feel like his legacy as a Raptor has been tainted perhaps a little bit by comments made recently Um, at the time at the time I would have said oh 100% like 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 that definitely would have happened And, and, and and you know things things stick within the Raptor lexicon like like CB4 Chris Bosch 4 And I don't know if anybody else has worn the number four since, since, since he left the team, I'd have to check. But, um, I ultimately think it doesn't happen. I just think that, um, you know, two players, even, I mean, depending on what happens with Lowry, right? Two to three players have had a bigger impact on the franchise as a whole. Car, you, you know, I'm in the camp, I'm in the camp that, even though even though vince left and not the best way he really really put the raptors on the map um at a time when there were many other stars like kobe um even like late michael jordan michael jordan wizards um you know all like all those other things that were going on alan iverson right he really stood out and gave the raptors a name and gave the raptors a reason to to exist right and i think that that can't go unnoticed and i mean he's also provided one of the, the the, the like one of, like one of the greatest NBA highlights is the Vince Carter 2000 dunk contest, and he's a Toronto Raptor at that time, right? Uh, so I think I, I I think that can't go unnoticed, and I think Vince's you know really evolved his feelings for Toronto, and, and 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 I feel that every time he returns, it is it is really important you know really important to him in many ways. And then DeRozan, obviously, you know, Mr. Toronto, I think he did a lot too, and and, and I mean Lowry's Lowry's story is still being written as well. So, so who knows? But I ultimately think that Bosch's impact just wasn't enough. And, and that and again, you know, many of the reasons could have been management. But in the end, I don't think he makes it. I agree
0: with you. Uh, I used to be in the camp that I thought Chris Bosch deserved to have his jersey retired. I reflected it and kind of talked with a few more people about it. And this is something that I've changed my mind on. He, at his peak and really at multiple times throughout his entire Raptor career, was a better player than DeMar DeRozan was. He was more impactful at the game's highest level, in my opinion. He had a bigger impact on winning than DeRozan did. But having your jersey retired isn't just about your accomplishments on the court. It's also about kind of what you meant to the franchise and what you did for the city as a whole. And in that respect, Bosch, isn't the same player DeRozan is, and he's really not even the same player as Lowry is. When you talk about Lowry's sustained impact on the Raptors and what he's able to help them to, obviously there's more to be talked about with Lowry. But in my mind, you right now he's fourth on the list. And if you want to retire four different people, Jersey, that's fine. 25 years into your franchise, or just, on, uh, just under that right now. But 25 years in, I don't think you need to have four people already retired and in that respect i'm going to place him fourth and for that record he's out and i think he deserves to have his jersey retired in miami i think he's an all-time raptor great to me he's fourth when we talk about most impactful on the franchise but i don't think that he gets his jersey retired and i'm okay with that
1: yeah and, and, and and you know in terms of jersey retirings at all like Right now, right now, I don't know, uh, like, I I don't know if I want to see a jersey retired, like perhaps, you know, players respecting, um, uh, players respecting, uh, uh, you know, other, like DeRozan not wearing number 10, Lowry not wearing number seven, right? But I, I, I feel that this franchise is at a turning point and, and, and who knows how far it can go, right? Like if the franchise continues to grow and build, uh, who knows what happens with Kawhi Leonard, right? Um, I mean, I mean, DeRozan's impact might become a little lessened over time, right? Um, I mean, I mean, he, I mean, he, yes, he got traded, but you know, at the end, he, he, he kind of, he, he kind of didn't leave the, the the Raptors in the best way either, right? With his play on the court, so which I would, which I always find to be a thing that's not always remembered really or, or forgotten about very easily. So right now, I feel like the the Raptors are just best if they if they don't retire a number unless they feel Vince's impact is is very big. Because I feel like the story is still being written for the franchise, of what the franchise is. Sure,
0: and that's, you know, why you wait till the player retires, and preferably some time after that. So we'll have DeRozan has plenty more years in the tank, at least you know, yeah. five to six more. So we'll have time to kind of let his impact sit and let it resonate with the franchise. And we'll see where it's at at that time. Vince Carter will be the one. Where they really have to make the decision that's gonna come up, if not this off season, you know, shortly. So we'll yeah. see. I don't ultimately I don't think Bosch makes it as a Jersey retire, but he does make, you know, for what it's worth, the Mount Rushmore of Raptor Greats at this time.
1: Oh definitely. De-
0: All right, Matt, thank you for talking with me.
1: Yeah, no problem.